If you're able, please stand for the reign of, of God's word. Our Old Testament reading is Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 through 11. Rejoice, rejoice greatly, uh, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a, don- on a donkey, on a colt, the fall of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the wireless pit. And our New Testament reading comes from Luke Chapter 19, verses 35 to 41. They brought it to Jesus, threw their clocks on the colt, and put, it, put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their clocks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began, began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they kept quiet, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Just a brief note before we begin. Uh, We have changed our Bible translation to the ESV from NIV 1984. And uh, the main reason was just because the NIV 1984 version is no longer available uh, in uh, online or in print. And so we thought it would be uh, better to change to the ESV. And so uh, that's why you've been seeing the ESV uh, version. And so I will also be reading scripture from the ESV uh, as well as Pastor Kenny. This morning we commemorate Palm Sunday, and this is, of course, one week before uh, the death and the resurrection of Christ, and we remember Palm Sunday as Jesus rode into Jerusalem, and he was riding on a colt, and of course it was to fulfill the scripture that we read this morning in Zechariah, that the Messiah would come riding triumphantly on a colt down into Jerusalem. As he rode in, the text today tells us that the people... The crowds gathered together and they hailed Jesus as their king and they spread out their cloaks and branches. They cut branches from trees and they set it before him. And in the parallel that we read in the Gospel of John, we read that these, these trees were palm trees. And so they laid out palm branches before the Lord. And this signifies the victory and the triumph that would, that would come with Jesus as king. Now, we call this Sunday Palm Sunday, and it is rightfully called Palm Sunday because of what the people did. 
but it is also referred to as the triumphal entry. And this was because it was an act of Jesus declaring his kingship over the people of Israel. The people declare, Hosanna, which means we beg you, we ask you to save us. They were asking for their Savior, their Messiah, to come as their king. And so that's why as the crowds heard that Jesus was coming, they gathered around him and they praised him and acknowledged that he would be the king that would restore this physical kingdom of Israel. But they desired Jesus to do just that, to be their physical king, to be a king that would restore only their physical kingdom of Israel, not really knowing that he would be a king that would far extend only the realms of Israel. But as we read in the Old Testament passage today, that he would bring peace from sea to sea to the ends of the earth for all people. We see in this scene that though it's called the triumphal entry, that Jesus is solemn and he's sorrowful. If you can imagine Jesus riding on this colt, coming down into Jerusalem with crowds of people hailing Hosanna, Hosanna, waving palm branches, laying their cloaks before him. It is a scene of celebration. It is a scene of rejoicing. Yet at the end of today's New Testament passage, we read that as Jesus approaches Jerusalem, he weeps over it. So why did Jesus weep? While everyone was rejoicing, Rejoicing that their king, their Messiah, had come. Why did Jesus weep over the people and over Jerusalem? Jesus wept because he knew that the people did not realize that they needed a true king to free them from the bondage of sin. More than a king that would free them from political oppression or from the governments. We read in our Old Testament passage today that God is speaking to his people of a Messiah who would ride triumphantly into Jerusalem on a colt and he would bring righteousness and salvation. The Messiah would come and free his people from the bondage of sin. And as Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he didn't stop the people from praising him. They say, the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And they were rightly proclaiming Jesus as their king. However, the hearts and the intents of the people, they were in the wrong place. The people rejoiced over Jesus as their king because they thought that he would bring them this great political peace. Freedom from their enemies. Finally, after centuries, after hundreds of years of being oppressed, they thought that this king, this Jesus, would finally set them free and restore this great kingdom of Israel. The people rejoiced because they thought that Jesus would be another Moses. Someone who would be able to lead them out of this oppression. Someone who would lead them out of this slavery. They rejoiced because they thought Jesus would be another David. Someone who would lead them into victory and conquering their enemies. But what they did not realize is that Jesus is greater than Moses. He is greater than even the great King David. And not only would Jesus free the people of these things, but that he would free them from their sin. Not only free them from being slaves of a government, 
but that he would ultimately save them and free them from being slaves of sin and death. That he would bring freedom from the condemnation and the wrath of God. Jesus wept because he knew that the people did not hail him as king because of the salvation that he brought, but that they hailed him as king because they thought that they would, he would bring them the things of their selfish desires. Though the people rejoiced at the prospect of Jesus being their physical king, they rejected him ultimately as their savior and their king. And the irony is that the people that are rejoicing believe that he is their political savior. But in tears, this is what Jesus pronounces over Jerusalem and over the people in the passage that we read uh, preceding the passage that we read today in Luke chapter 19, 43 and 44. Jesus says, For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you to the ground, you and your children with you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Instead of enjoying freedom, the nation of Israel would be completely destroyed. And like Isaiah and Jeremiah and the prophets of old, Jesus wept, even though everyone else was rejoicing, not at the demise of Israel, not because they did not have a king, but because they had rejected God as their king. Jesus wept at the condition of the human heart. He wept that these people of Israel were enslaved by their sin, but they were blinded by their sin and blind to their Savior. He wept because the people were looking for salvation. They were looking for a Savior, but they were looking in the wrong places. He wept because they thought that all they needed was freedom from political oppression rather than freedom from their bondage and sin. And we see that at least the crowds came before Jesus as he rode into Jerusalem and they gave God glory and they praised Jesus, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. But the religious leaders, the Pharisees, They were so blind to their own sin. They were so blind to their own religiosity. And they're so blind for their need of a Savior that though they saw the work of God in Jesus right before them, they rejected everything that Jesus did. They rejected everything Jesus, who he was. And they even rebuked Jesus. And they thought that they were being used as instruments of God. The only time that they would rejoice was when Jesus was beaten, nailed to a cross, and crucified. The question I want to ask this morning, and I'll ask again at the end, is what do you rejoice over, and when do you weep? Our Savior, he lamented. And rightfully so, because the people he came to save were the very ones who would, in a few days, crucify him and reject him. In Romans chapter 1, Paul says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools 
and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And we read in John's Gospel in chapter 1, verse 11, that he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Their Savior, the one that they had been waiting for, for hundreds of years, for centuries, the one that would free them eternally from the bondage of sin and give eternal life, was set right before them. Yet they chose to crucify him and live according to their own sins, live according to their depravity, because their foolish hearts were darkened. And so Jesus wept. He wept at the state of their hearts and the state of their souls. And Jesus wept because the people did not realize that they needed peace with God more than peace from their enemies. As Jesus looks over Jerusalem and weeps, he says in Luke 19.42, Would you... That you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. The irony here is that God does proclaim peace through our Messiah, Jesus Christ. And he does proclaim peace from our enemies. That one day we will live in a new heaven and a new earth, a new Jerusalem where we will not be oppressed. There will be no government oppression. We will not be enslaved as people. There will be no more sin. God does promise a day where we will see peace from sea to sea and to the ends of the earth. But more than that, we have to realize that God has offered us, and he offers us through his son Jesus Christ, a peace with him. A peace that was broken because of the fall of man. A peace that was broken because of our sin. Through Jesus Christ, God, he offers us this peace, this reconciliation with him. The irony is that these people are shouting out in verse 38, Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. But as they shout this peace, they would be the same ones who shout Crucify him. Crucify him. They thought that the peace that God wanted for them, the peace that heaven would rejoice over, was peace from their political enemies and oppression. They were completely oblivious to the fact that Jesus had come for this greater peace to reconcile this cosmic chasm that separates man from God because of sin. In fact, the people had rejected God's offer of peace and righteousness for generations and for centuries. As they rejected and even killed the prophets that God had sent to his people. And now they would even reject and kill his own son. But the peace that the people sought after was a false type of peace. It was a a peace that would not last. And for centuries, the leaders and government that they put their hope in. These Israelites put their hope in their their kings and their governments, yet they only received more strife, more unrest, and more turmoil. And this is because the peace that we have on this earth is only a momentary peace. It's a temporal peace. The peace that God offers is one that goes beyond this world. 
And the peace that God offers is one that cannot be given by this world. It is a peace that is not of this world. It is a peace of the mind, peace from anxiousness, peace from fear, peace because our sins are forgiven, peace with God, our Father, and peace and eternal hope because we have now eternal life through Jesus. I know this is a spoiler alert, but for next week, we will rejoice because we have received this peace through Jesus Christ who has defeated the world. He has defeated sin. He has defeated death. And he has resurrected. And so we have this peace with God. And so Jesus says to us and to his disciples in John chapter 16, 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart for I have overcome the world. Jesus did not weep. Because he didn't want to go to the cross. He didn't weep because he was scared or fearful or anxious of being crucified. He didn't weep because he did not want to give himself up for us for the atonement of sins. Because we see that it was always the plan of God to send his own son to the cross for the atonement of our sins. We see that Jesus multiple times tells his disciples that this is what would happen, even though they didn't understand until after the resurrection. We see that even in the account of Palm Sunday today, that Jesus is the one who is orchestrating all these things. He's the one who tells the disciples where to go, how to find the cult, what to do, so that he will fulfill the scriptures in going into Jerusalem, so that he could die for our sins. Jesus wept because we who are, uh, who are stubborn, unwilling, disobedient, blind, and lost. Jesus wept because of the fall of man, the fall into sin. Jesus wept because he hates sin, because he hates the effect of sin. Jesus wept because he has compassion on us. Even though Jesus knew That these same people would reject him and even crucify him, humiliate him, murder him. He still wept over these people. In Matthew 9, 36, it says, "When When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This is the way that Christ looks at us. Though our God is mighty and he is just. Though our God is righteous and he is a God of judgment and wrath. Yet it is because of his love for us. Because of his compassion that he sent Jesus to free us once and for all from our bondage of sin. He brings peace between us and God, our creator and our father. And so let us not be like the crowd. Let us not be like the Pharisees that rejected the great love of Christ and the kingship over their lives. Let us stop looking for salvation in the wrong places. Let us not become futile in our thinking. Let us not look to Jesus simply as a king who will bring us prosperity and happiness through a job or a relationship or some other worldly pleasure. Let us not find our joy. Let us not rejoice and celebrate 
over the things that are passing away. Let us not celebrate even when we receive $1,400 checks. But rather, let us rejoice that Jesus is our King. Let us rejoice that He frees us from the bondage of sin and gives us peace with Almighty God forever and ever for eternity. Let us rejoice over those who are saved, who are lost, who reject Jesus, but through the illumination of His Spirit are saved. Let us rejoice over those who return and give glory and praise to God our Father. Let us rejoice, not because our world is perfect, but because even in the imperfection and even in the brokenness, let us rejoice that God is still working even now, that God still loves us, and that God is using us for His honor and His glory throughout all the nations. But also let us weep. Let us weep with Jesus over the, those who are blind and lost. Let us weep over those who are without hope, even now, without hope of a Savior, without hope of this eternal peace with God, especially during this season where we remember what Jesus has done for us and the peace that he has given to us. Let us weep over those who do not share in that same peace and share in that joy with us. Let us not only groan and complain over the trials of life like this pandemic, but let us groan and let us weep and lament over how many people have died without knowing Jesus as their Savior. I'm not saying these things to make you feel guilty. It's not a guilt trip. This is not even a call to action. It's not a call to go out and do something. It's not a call to ask, what can we do? What should we do? Who can we save? Because it's only God who saves. This is a call to reflect on our hearts this week. As we go through Holy Week, as we reflect on what Jesus has done for us, it's a call to reflect on our own hearts, to reflect on why we weep. What, what do we lament over? It's a call to, to be reminded of why we rejoice, not over the petty things of life, not because our lives are more comfortable, but because we rejoice in our Lord Jesus. So my question again for you this morning is what do you weep over? What do you lament over? We see this morning that Jesus wept over the people of Israel. He wept over Jerusalem because he has a heart of compassion because he knew the state of their hearts. Do you weep the state of the hearts of those in our world? Do you weep at the state of our country and the state of our community? Do you weep over your loved ones and friends because they don't know the Lord and they don't know the peace of the Lord or his salvation? Or do you just get angry at what's going on or just complain 
about the state of our world and the state of our country and the state of our community? Do you weep over those who are, even now, perishing because they do not know the love and compassion of our Father through Jesus Christ? Do you cry out to God to save those who are blind, who are futile in their thinking? Do you cry out for their salvation? Or are you just happy when, when they get what they deserve? Not forgetting that without Christ, we would be in the same boat. Do you weep? Do you lament over your sin? Do you lament for raising up false idols? For looking for salvation in false things, temporal things? Instead of putting your faith and all of your hope and your trust in Christ. As we reflect this morning in this triumphant entry of Jesus Christ on this Palm Sunday, let us also remember that Jesus wept because of the compassion and the love that he has for all men. Though they were blind by their own sin, though they rejected him as king, he continued to love them even to the point of the cross. Jesus is our great king. But he is not a king that exploits us or domineers. But he is a humble king. He is a king that is humble, that rides on the colt, the foal of a donkey. And he brings righteousness and salvation. He is a king who, though he could, in his power, establish a dictatorship over the world. He could force us to serve him. Instead, he went to the cross to die for our sins, to die for the wicked, to die for us who are undeserving. He restrained his power and he humbled himself before the Father so that he would obey the Father's will, even for the sake of those who rejected him. And so, brothers and sisters, let us imitate the heart of Christ by showing compassion towards others, even those who might reject Christ, even those who might reject us because we love Christ. Let us imitate the heart of Christ by weeping and praying for the salvation of those who are still blind and lost. And also let us rejoice. Let us rejoice in our Savior, in Jesus, our King. Let us rejoice because he brings us peace with God our Father. Let us rejoice because we have hope in him. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your great love. We thank you, Lord, that it is through your Son, Jesus Christ, that we find ultimate peace with you. It is through your Son that we find forgiveness of sins. And Lord, we pray that as we reflect this week upon the work of Jesus Christ, that Lord, you would give us his heart, your heart. Help us to, Lord, be imitators of you, Lord Jesus. Let us not just rejoice over the success of our lives or worldly pleasures, 
But let us rejoice when we see one that is lost being saved and coming back to you. Let us rejoice, Lord, that you have taken away and forgiven our sins and given us peace with you, Lord. Let us weep and lament over those who reject you. And let us pray for their salvation. And Father, through this holy week, as we reflect on you, let us give you all the praise and glory and honor, crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Lord on high. Not because we're asking for you to save us, but because we know you already have. So Lord, we pray that your, your spirit would lead us as your people, as your church, to glorify you. And we pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen.